You guys remember in school, uh, you had the three R's. Remember that? Three R's? Do you remember what they were? No, it's like reading, writing, arithmetic, which is so silly because they're not, they're not three R's. Uh, <laughs> remember, reduce what? Reduce, reuse, recycle. Do they even teach that anymore? Those of you guys that are teachers still, they teach that? No? Okay, well, we failed. Responsibility, responsibility, stop it. Okay, uh, that's, that's what I have in my house. Stop it, stop it, seriously, stop it. Okay, uh, so three R's, reduce, reuse, recycle. So what does it have to do with this? We have three R's uh, as a church for how we navigate seasons like Halloween. And we talk about this every year. So if you guys are, uh, you've been around for a while, this is going to be repeat, but I think it's important for us to, uh, you know, vision leaks, uh, values leak. So we tend to forget things. We drift from values. And if you're new to the church, maybe there's a lot of you guys uh, that started coming in the last year. And so this will be important for you to understand, uh, so you understand kind of the heart and and the posture for us as a church. Three R's for us uh, as a church as we navigate uh, things like Halloween, especially when you're thinking about, you know, it's got pagan roots. There's kind of death and horror and kind of this weird uh, stuff happening uh, with Halloween. So what do we do? And if you've spent any amount of church, uh, amount of time in church, you've probably seen uh, these other approaches. And uh, this will give you clarity in kind of what we, what we believe. Uh, the first one is uh, rebuke. Rebuke, right? So we just rebuke the spirit of Halloween and, you know, celebrating Satan's birthday. And it's not really, but celebrating all this stuff, right? We just, you know, we're going to boycott them. The question that this approach asks is, how do I let them know they're wrong? Right? How do I, they need to know. I need to post something on social. I need to boycott. I need to have signs in my front lawn. I need to make sure that everyone knows, because everyone is waiting for me to post something on social media, Right, to know what, what do I think about this? How do we boycott them? How do we let them know that they're not doing the right thing and God's not happy and I'm not happy either because that's what Jesus did, right? So rebuke, rebuke. We just say, don't do that. Second option is remove, remove. This approach says, how do we stay quarantined? Uh, and is, is, that, is that word triggering uh, for some of us? How do we stay quarantined and out of the blast zone? In other words, how do we, how do we remove ourselves from all that? Look, we're not going to rebuke. We're not going to be jerks about it. We're just not going to take part in it, right? So this would be the approach that says, how do we have an event on our campus? How do we have an etern- alternative event? You know, a, a harvest party, a fall festival, where we stay away from anything around the words Halloween or anything like that because Jesus never talked about Halloween and we're not going to talk about it either, right? So we, how do we have an event on our campus that we can control where kids are not exposed to crazy things like, you know, mummies and whatever, you know, people are dressing up as, right? So how do we participate on our terms? This would be removed. I understand the heart of both of those first two postures. That's just not our approach. Okay, I'm not saying that if you have that approach or another church has that approach that they're wrong and we're going to let them know that, look, they're going to do what they're going to do. Here's our posture as boys. Neither one of those. Our posture is redeem. Redeem. So our posture as a church, we ask the question, how could God use me where he has me? Right? God has given me uh, gifts Uh, God's given me a a place to live. How do I use that to honor him, to redeem him? Or not redeem him, but redeem the whole situation. Because Jesus, if you go back to who Jesus was, how he lived on this earth, he wasn't corrected because he rebuked the world. He didn't go around going, sinner, 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 right? Jesus wasn't corrected because he rebuked people. He wasn't corrected because he isolated himself. He didn't. 
Jesus didn't say, all you heathens, I'm going to hang out with only church people. He didn't say that, did he? Jesus actually got corrected because he was building relationships intentionally with people that were so different than him. It's an important thing for us to understand that people that weren't like Jesus liked him. Right? People that weren't like Jesus at all liked him. And Jesus really liked people that weren't like him. And here's the wild thing is that the people that were actually like Jesus, other rabbis, other religious leaders, church people, us, the people that were actually like Jesus didn't like Jesus because Jesus liked people who weren't like him. Right? Kind of a tongue twister, right? People that were like Jesus on the surface because of lifestyle choices, values, they didn't like him. Why? Because he rebuked? Because he, no, no. They didn't like him because he liked people that weren't like him. And so, here's what we encourage you to do. This is the one time a year where your neighbors come to your house. So don't be the, the house that passes out Bible tracts. Don't be the house, even if you're a dentist, don't be the house that passes out toothbrushes. Come on, don't be that guy, okay? Be the coolest house on the block. And especially, first and foremost, just, just like parenting, half the battle of parenting is just showing up, right? And half the battle of being an influence on your neighbors is just being there. Can you imagine the one time a year when your neighbors come to your house where it isn't weird? Any other day of the year, if you just went house to house asking for candy, they'd be like, what are you doing? Right? They're going to call the police. This is the one time a year everyone comes to your house. So build relationships, especially in a time when people now, we don't, we don't sit on our front porch anymore, right? We go into our garage, if you have a garage, and we shut it behind us. We pull up the drawbridge, fill the moat, right? And so this is the one time we can build relationships, so take advantage of it. But what we do as a family is we... Um, we put like, and we've done this for over a decade now. We, we put like a, a, mo uh, like a movie screen up. We put a projector, play like uh, DreamWorks or Pixar, spooky stories kind of stuff, right? And we don't do like Bible stories or anything out there. We're not, uh, you know, preaching out there. Uh, but we, we have that. We have a fire pit and we make s'mores. It's amazing. When we moved out to California here like seven years ago, uh, we lived in uh, Irvine in a neighborhood where there were a lot of immigrant families. And it was amazing. Every year we were making s'mores, people would like take selfies with the s'mores, right? Because they're like, we're like, what are you doing? They're like, I've never made this before. I've only seen this on like the on TV, on the movies, that this is what Americans do. I was like, well, I mean, we, do, we eat all sorts of things, you know, that aren't good for us. But yeah, so we, we do s'mores. Uh, we have uh, crafts and stuff like that. We have candy, you know, for the kids that are like, no, it's about, it's about quantity. I'm not here for making relationships. I'm here for quantity. Fill the bag. Right? So for those kids, we have candy and go, hey, go get candy. We'll see you when you get back, right, when you're tired. We have like, hot, like apple cider and hot cocoa and things like that. Last year, we put a, uh, a picnic table out that we borrowed from the church. We need a picnic table. We have some. Uh, we borrowed a, a picnic table from the church, and we put little, like, little mini pumpkins up there, and we had people decorate them. So they're always, I mean, throughout the whole night, we had all these kids always uh, at that picnic table having a blast. There's so many times where neighbors were going, oh, my gosh, you have to go to our house over here. Oh, we live over there, you know, with the two really loud barking dogs all the time, all over the night? That's us. It's like, oh, I've always wondered who lived there. And so <laughs> we, we were able to build relationships. We, had, we ran out of candy so many times because there's so many kids in our neighborhood now, where the new place where we uh, moved to. 
We were stealing, uh, we ran out of candy, went got more, ran out of candy again. We we're at the point where we took our kids' candy. We're like, trust me, we'll make this right. We'll make this right, but we need your candy for Jesus. So we took their candy and gave their candy away. We ran out. We had to get granola bars. We're like, sorry, we have like nature-made granola bars, I guess. Uh, for, we were passing those out, cleaning out the pantry, right? Started giving up full-size Hershey's bars for making s'mores, whatever we can do. It was just such a good time. So, man, challenge you. Make the most of it. Redeem the holiday. I think God has you where you live for a reason. So please at least be there. Show up. And if we can help you in any way, man, we want to help you. So redeem the holiday. Anyways, okay, we got to dive into this. That all makes sense. Don't remove. Don't rebuke. All right? Redeem it. Use this day for God's glory. All right, we're, hey, we're in a series called Proverbs right now. Uh, we're talking about a life well lived. And today we're going to talk about relationships, specifically friendships. We're not going to talk about marriage. We're not going to talk about dating. We're not going to talk about your relationship with your kids or the relationship you have with your parents. All those are super important. We just don't have time to do that. We have time to have a very simple idea for today. And I'll start with uh, a question. How many of you guys have a close friend? How many of you guys have a close friend? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, for some of us, like, oh, yeah, my best friend. We've been friends since middle school. And others of us were like, I wish I had uh, a close friend, right? If we're honest, if we're honest. And I want to ask you something. Why do you, con- for those of you guys that raise your hand, or maybe you're like, I should have, but I'm shy. I do have a close friend. So why do you consider uh, them a close friend? My guess is, my guess is you probably went through things together, right? It's wild. Good times don't bond us. It's hard times that do. So whether you went through, like, you both, we used to work at this toxic work relationship, or work situation, so we, we went through it together, right? Or maybe you, uh, you, you know, I've seen all the time where friends that went through military together, right? Went on tours together. There's a bond there because you've literally, you've gone through some hellish seasons together. Or maybe you are a part of the same gym. You go to the same Orange Theory or CrossFit or hot goat yoga or whatever you guys do, right? So, but you guys want to go through some crazy seasons together, especially for maybe for us that uh, you were part of the OG, you helped plant this church. You remember, we've gone through some things together, right? So there's that that bonds you. And I think that there's the more memories you have with somebody, the deeper the relationships. Like, you know, when you hang out with that friend from college, that friend from work that you haven't hung out with forever because they moved away, right? And you go to IHOP at two in the morning or whatever. And what do you, what do, you do? You go, hey, remember that time? Remember that time when we did this? Remember that time where you got arrested? Remember that time? Whatever the thing is, right? You remember that time? And those are the deepest relationships that you have. Or if I'm honest, if you're honest, I guess maybe you've been through a season or like a pattern of loneliness. You're like, talk, I wish I had a friend. I, I, I think I'm normal-ish, right? Like I don't, I bathe. I think, I, I, don't, I don't think I have like halitosis. I don't think, I mean, I'm socially awkward, but not that social. I mean, they have a close friend. How come I can't? You're going, I don't know. I don't know why, but I have a hard time making friends. I don't know. There's something, I think, specific about Orange County where it's very hard to have deep friendships. It's hard to get connected. It's easy to have, like, acquaintances here. We should connect sometime, kind of meet kind of things, right? But not, like, deep relationships. So I want to put a a poll up. Gallup poll uh, did a, a, well, a poll uh, recently. If you want to put that slide up, do we have that one? Nope. Okay, cool. All right, so uh, there's, there's, there was a slide uh, where uh, it showed kind of uh, what relationships look like before and what relationships look like now uh, and it, a post-pandemic. And there's, it's wild how 
before the, it actually, actually was not even post it was, it was very pre-pandemic, 1990, I think, was where the first slide was, and the second image was from what they were like now in 2022, and what was wild was there were quite a few people that said they had 10 or more close friends in 1990, and now, hey, there you go, 33%, one-third in 1990 said that they had more than 10 that says 10 actually on the side, 10 or more close friends. But here's what's interesting. As time went on, you'll see that they have, we have less, a large amount of close friends, but more small amount of close friends. It's interesting because this is going the opposite of social media, right? So as we have thousands, hundreds of connections online, we have fewer close friends. Now I want you to look at the top number. It quadrupled the people that say they have no close friends, right? A lot of things have shifted over the last few years, haven't they? For all of us, new patterns. For some of you guys, your pattern was, I start to go to church now. For some of you guys, maybe you'll listen to this on the podcast months later from now, you're like, I used to go to church, uh, but I don't anymore, right? Maybe you used to go to church, you didn't for a season, but then crisis hit your life, and now you're sitting at church again going, maybe I probably should get back right with God, right? But things have shifted over the past few years. You have new patterns. Some of you guys used to go to the gym and don't anymore. Some of you guys didn't go to the gym and now you do. New normals. Some of you guys move. Some of you guys have new work situations. Maybe your beliefs actually shifted, right? I'm not saying that you believe drastically different things. I don't think that's the majority of us, but they shifted a little bit. They shifted a little bit. Or maybe people that you were close to, your friends you were close to, relatives you were close to, Either their beliefs shifted, or you just didn't know what they believed, but now you do. And there's been a little distance. There's been a shifting, right? Friendships just don't look the same as they used to. So how do we navigate that? Some of us are like Denny's right now. And Denny's, you know, is a place where no one plans to go to Denny's, right? No one goes, hey, what are you doing Friday? Let's go to Denny's. Moon over my hammy. Like, no one ever says that, right? Let's get a home run. No one, no one talks about it. You just end up at Denny's somehow, right? And sometimes your friendships are like this where you're like, I don't know how we got here. We didn't plan on getting here, but here we are. I'll take a moon over my hammy, right? This is where you're at. So how do we navigate that in relationships? When you think of a great friendship, uh, I hope we have these graphics. This is my fault. I should have gone through and made sure we have these graphics. Uh, when you think of, of a friendship, maybe you think about Michael and Dwight from The Office. You ever about them? They have such a weird relationship, uh, don't they? Michael, uh, and here's the thing. I know Michael says some weird things. Some of you guys are like, I don't watch The Office. I'm a Christian. You should. It's hilarious. It's absolutely really hilarious. There's some really dumb seasons too, so just, you know, guard your heart and, you know, see what Jesus leads you. But Michael says some really stupid things. I think Michael's a really good guy, actually. He's just really weird. One of my f- favorite things that Michael says, he goes, he goes, I remember this? I love inside jokes. I'd like to be part of one one day. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And I think in that moment, we get a glimpse of Michael going, I want a close friend. I see people laughing about stuff, and I'm, I'm like laughing along, and I'm like, I, I, I wish I could laugh along with an inside joke with somebody. I wish I had a friend like that. And maybe you're like that. You see people hanging out. You watch you know, shows where people are close. You're going, I wish I had a friendship like that, but I don't. Or then you got Dwight, who's such a suck-up, right? And everyone, he, he, but he, if you, again, I think he's a good guy. He just was, you guys know his background, right, with the beet farm? Like, he's had... He's had a past, right? I mean, he didn't have a chance to be a, a normal kid, right? So 
Yeah, Michael and Dwight. So uh, <laughs> Dwight, but he, you know what? It, it, it kind of panned out. He wants to hang out with Jim and Pam and the rest of the cool crew, but he doesn't, right? So he, he does some dumb things, and, but he, you know, he ends up getting promoted. We all know this, right? From assistant to the regional manager to what? Assistant regional manager. Yeah, right? No, he was assistant to the regional manager. Then, then he became assistant regional manager, and he got white out and crossed off the to the. He's assistant regional manager. Way to go, Dwight. Or maybe, maybe you're more like the show Friends. Right? Maybe this is the kind of friendship that you like, right? Do we have that second graphic where Friends in 2022? Do you have that one? You ever seen this graphic? Isn't that hilarious? <clears throat> so it says influencers. Uh, and you, okay, you know what's so funny about this? You've seen images where this is a joke. But you've seen images where it's not a joke? Like some of these, I'm not going to say name names, but there's some of these, I'm like, well, you look just like this famous person that thinks that we think that's what you really look like. But anyways, that's hilarious. You can go off. Okay, some of us look at, look at friends. We're going, oh, I wish I had a friendship like friends. But here's what's weird about friends. Here's what's so unhealthy about friends. It's they don't invite anyone else in. You notice that? Whether it be Fun Bobby or Russ or whoever, they, when they come in, they're like, uh, I don't know if, if they can be a part of our group. Christians get like that, don't we? It's like I've heard so many times. I, I went to that small group, I went to that church, but man, they're, yeah, it's kind of a click. I felt like I was on the outside, kind of like just trying to be a part of the thing. But it was obvious that they already had their group. Right? Us seven all the way to heaven, right? Unhealthy, unhealthy, right? And I want to brag actually on Ye and Amy real quick, because when I thought about this, I'm like, they are the opposite of this. Ye and Amy, one of our, a uh, couple of our elders, uh, they ran an incredible small group. A bunch of you guys are a part of that. Uh, we're a part of that group, and here's what I love about that group. They were so close. I think one of the strongest small groups in the church, uh, as if it's a competition. One of the small groups, if not the number one strongest small group, uh, but what, you know what they did? This is so kingdom-minded. They were like, you know what? We need to create space for people that aren't here yet. We need to create space for people that one day will be a part of the church. So they multiplied three different ways. People that they knew they weren't going to hang out as much anymore. But it was worth it because of mission. I love that. That's just good leadership. All right, we love these shows. Why? Why? Because I think they resonate with something deep inside of us. Right? It's something that we want because these, you know, and they're quirky and they're, you know, the funny. But here's the thing. It takes, take Friends, right? Take whatever show you watch. Friends, New Girl, whatever. These shows, they're all, every individual is so different. That's what makes them funny. If they're all the same character, if they're all Chandlers or whatever, it wouldn't be funny. They're all different, right? But they're all together. They support one another. They love one another. They get in fights, and that's what makes it funny. They make mistakes. We were on a break, right? They, they, get, they get in fights, and then when you, what do they do? They forgive, eventually. Within 23 minutes, by the end of the episode, they've forgiven each other, right? They support one another. They reconcile one another. And at the end of the day, I think we, what, the reason why we love these shows is because isn't that what we want? We don't we want a group of friends where someone sees us? I mean, sees us. Not sees the veneer, but sees us. Where we can be honest with ourselves. We can be our own quirky selves like our friends are the are the place where we take the mask off we can just be us and go yeah i like that show i like to have that drink is it a girly drink sure i like it 
It is what it is, right? So, and you can be yourself and they love you for it. They might mess with you a little bit, but they love you for it. This is what we want to be seen and loved, a place where you can make mistakes and you still forgive and you reconcile with one another. Why? Because this is the way God designed us. So the teaching today, if you're taking notes, is called asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. Because I think a lot of us have prayed that prayer, haven't we? God, I just want a friend. Like a real friend. Not a fair weather friend. Not someone who's going to be, you know, there when I win the lottery. But a real friend. What does that look like? Some of us have wondered, God, how do I even find a friend like that? Is there like a, a, a website? You know, like is there like a uh, whatever, like when coffee meets bagel, is there like a friend version of that? I guess what a friend, right? And we see this throughout the book of Proverbs. So here's what we're going to do for the next little bit. I want to give you markers through Proverbs of what a true friend looks like. And this is not for you to take this and beat your friend over the head with and go, why aren't you more like this? You need to listen to this sermon because you're not like this at all. And that's why we fight, right? I don't think that's why you fight, right? So this is not for that. This is for you. This is for you to go, am I this kind of friend? And if you can really work on you being this kind of friend, me being this kind of friend, then it'll give you a new framework to evaluate what kind of friends I want to lock my heart to, I want to lock my life to in the future. We've talked about this a lot as a church because this is so important, but personal responsibility. Who can you control? Who can you control? You. And you can barely do that, right? We get in trouble when we try to control other people, don't we? Mainly because you can't. But you'll get frustrated. You'll be stressed. You'll be confused. And ultimately, it does no good because you can't control people any more than people can control you. You can't make them make good decisions, right? Even if you're married, you can't make your spouse make good decisions. If you're a parent, you know very well you can't make your kids do anything, right? You can't make them forgive. You can't make them follow through. You can't make them be healthy. You can't make them be trustworthy. They're going to decide who they're going to be. And then you decide what you're going to do with that. So the overarching idea, the one point for this, this teaching today is simply this. Are you the type of friend the friend you're looking for is looking for? Are you the type of friend? You're like, Doc, I'm looking for this kind of friend. Great. Are you the type of friend the friend you're looking for is looking for? If not, let's talk about that for a bit, right? So the first point is this. Godly friends are loyal. Godly friends are loyal. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, a friend is always loyal. A friend is always loyal. And a brother is born to help in time of need. A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in times of need. When does a friend become a brother? In time of need, right? And it could be as small as I need a ride to the airport, and it could be as big as, hey, man, everything is falling apart. And a true friend, a true friend drops everything to support you. You can't stop them from supporting you, right? I want to brag on one of our elders, Eric, who's watching online, one of the guys that texted today and said, I'm not going to make it today, we're watching online. Are you, though? Are you, Eric? <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so <laughs> prove it. Write something in the chat right now. Um, so uh, we brag on Eric. It's last, last Christmas was one of the hardest uh, days of my ministry life. I've been in ministry since like 1997. And 
uh, last Christmas. Christmas. It wasn't Christmas Day. It was the Sunday before Christmas. We we're supposed to be like a big Sunday, right? This is a Sunday that you're like, everyone and their mom comes. Even ones that like, don't go to Christmas or services ever, they come on Christmas because that's when Jesus said to go to church. So that's when everyone goes to church. He didn't say that. So everyone goes to church, right? We, the team put a bunch of energy into it. And for whatever reason, next to nobody came to church. Awesome. Now, here's the thing. Don't feel like if you didn't come, you're like, I didn't come that day. That's my fault. This isn't about you, okay? Like, the fact that I took it personally is a me issue, okay? I just want to take responsibility for that. That's something God needed to work out in me. And, you know, the one that questions what I get bothered sometimes, I ask myself, why does that bother you so much? Like, really? Like, why is that, why do you take that, like, really, why is that? What part of your heart is being triggered right now? So, anyway, there was a time in that service where there were so few people there where I, I had them going, I'm just going to get a couple pizzas. Uh, why don't we just circle up? I've led middle school small groups bigger than the people, uh, with more people than the people in this room right now, and I'm a loser. So we had service, and it was like, yeah, good to see you. Merry Christmas. We'll see you at Christmas Eve service this Friday. Oh, you can't make that either. Well, no one's going to be at that service then either. Cool. Merry Christmas. See ya. Wrapped everything up, put everything in the trailer, drove the trailer back to the thing, parked it on the drive home. I'm a loser. Literally. I remember driving back to the house going, I wonder if Home Depot's hiring or if I need to maybe do something else because like this, and this wasn't like, uh, woe is me. It was literally like, okay, God, I don't, I'm just not the guy. And that's okay. Maybe, you know, the church is better served with someone else leading or actually at least get out of the way. And, and that afternoon, Eric texted. And he's like, how, how are you doing? He was there. He was one of the few that were there. Uh, and he goes, uh, how are you doing? I'm like, not great. Not great, if I'm honest. He goes, hey, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, quitting? I don't know what I'm doing tonight. Uh, so he's like, let's hang out. So he lives like half an hour away. We, he, you know, Natalie and I went out with him, and he just poured life into us, encouraged us. That was a game-changing moment. We laughed, we hung out, we talked about church, talked about ministry, we talked about other random topics, and we just left going, okay, let's keep going. Let's give it another shot. True friend. True friend. In that moment, Eric wasn't a friend. He was a brother. Right? Because a friend changes to a brother in times of need. You don't have to ask a friend for help. Right? They ask you, and this church is full of brothers and sisters to Natalie and I. Proverbs 18.24 says this, who, one who has unreliable friends soon comes into ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother, alluding to Jesus. But in Proverbs, it says, unreliable friends soon come to ruin. And you've felt this, right? This hits home for some of us, right? Where you needed a friend. You, it could be as big as like, my marriage is falling apart. I need someone to talk to. Or as little as, uh, I wish someone could help me pick me up from the airport, but I guess I have no friends. Uh, to pick you up at the airport. And as you know this, right? It sounds like insecure to say it, but you know those moments you're like, I could have just used some help. And all your friends were busy and you begin to have these mind games of like, what's wrong with me? Right? One who is unreliable friends soon come to ruin. Something happens in your heart. Ecclesiastes 4 says this. It says two are better than one. Two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity Pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. When you have close friends, when you fall, you'll inevitably fall. You'll, your friends will inevitably fall, and you can support them and they can support you, but pity the one. Listen to Mr. T. Pity the one, 
right? Some of you guys are like, I don't know. That means you're not old enough. So anyway, sorry. Uh, pity the one uh, who has no one there to help them up. Can I be totally honest here? There's times where people come up and um, they'll ask for prayer. And they're new to the church or maybe they've been around for a while. Like, Taka, can you pray for me? My, you know, my, my, my spouse or some infidelity stuff going on or uh, can you pray for us? I'm in a job situation or financial situation or crisis is hit. I don't know how to navigate this. And what I ask Every single time, and some of you guys, you've been on the receiving end of this, and sorry, not sorry, but I ask the same question, are you in a small group? Are you in a small group? Why do I ask that? Because nine times out of ten, unless it's a confidentiality issue, nine times out of ten, you're not. Because if you were in a small group, you'd already have a team surrounding you. If you were in a small group, you'd already have a group of people praying for you. If you were in a small group, you'd already have, already have people supporting you. Because I know the opposite is true, too. There's so many times when someone has a baby or someone is moving, and I'll reach out to them and go, hey, how can I help? Do you need to borrow the church truck? Do we need to help support in any way? And if they're in a small group, they're like, I'm good. They've already set up a meal train. I mean, we'll take more DoorDash gift cards, but, I mean, we're good. Right? We are so taken care of. Yeah, you can pray for me. My small group's been praying for me for weeks. Right? This is why. This is why we always encourage you to be part of a small group, not because we get, like, uh, bonuses if how many, how many people go to small group, right? We want to get you in a small group. Why? Because some of us, some of us talk about, man, talk, I wish I had close friends, but yet you resist the very decisions that would help cultivate them, right? Imagine if you were, like, uh, planting, like you were trying to plant, I don't know, basil, First thing about it, I, li- I do like basil. I like thyme. Okay, let's say thyme because I love thyme, actually. So um, any thyme fans? Okay, anyways. Um, so imagine you're planting thyme. <laughs> okay, I got to focus. Okay, so uh, imagine you're plant- you, want, you want thyme. You're like, talk. I don't know why thyme isn't growing. Okay, have you planted seeds? No. No. But I've heard people do that. Okay. Um, well, let's start with that first, uh, right? the same thing. Talk, I don't even close friends. You serving anywhere? Like on your serving team? No. How often do you go to church? Ah, I don't know. Every other week, once a month. If nothing else is going on. Are you in a small group? No. So wh- why, w- why would you think you'd have close friends? Right? Well, it's inconvenient to go to a small group. Yeah, it is. It's inconvenient to go to, to serve. Yeah, it is. It's inconvenient to have people over your house because they mess everything up. They eat your food. They mess up your floors. Some of them have the audacity to walk in, in the house with shoes on. Come on, man. Right? There's Bible verses about that somewhere. Right? But relationships take sacrifice, don't they? Relationships take work. But I've never met someone that consistently went to a small group. I've never met anyone who consistently built relationships, who consistently uh, came to church on a regular basis and then regretted it right? We've bought so many couches over the years that people have ruined, right? And we just buy more and have furniture repairmen come on. Why? Because it's worth it. It's worth it. At the end of our life, we're not going to be like, man, we, we have one couch forever. Never had to get it fixed. No, who cares? Who cares, right? In good times, in good times, your friends find you. In hard times, you find your friends. Isn't that true? Proverbs 19.4 says this, wealth makes many friends, in quotes, friends. Poverty drives them away. 
So how about you? How about you? Remember, it's not about them. How about you? When a friend of yours struggles, are you there? Are you there? Are you initiating conversation? You're going, I'm just going to wait to see if they reach out to me. No, 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 no. Are you there? Are you there like a brother? When you say you're going to do something, do you do it? Or are you one of those people that are like, we should hang out sometime? And never follow through. When you, do, when you say you're going to do something, do you do it? Even when it's inconvenient. I would even say, especially when it's inconvenient. Right? When times get hard, you find out who your real friends are. Proverbs 27.10 says this, never abandon a friend. Never abandon a friend. Either yours or your father's. Just making it real clear. Even if your dad's got a friend, they're your friend now too. Take care of them, right? When disaster strikes, you won't, have, you, won't, you won't have to ask your brother for assistance. It's better to go to a neighbor than to a friend who lives far away. Man, God has you somewhere for a reason. Be a good friend. Point number two, and this one's super fast. Godly friends are genuine. Godly friends are genuine. Proverbs 19, 6 says this, that many seek favors from a ruler, but everyone is a friend of a person who gives gifts. You know when someone is being fake, just to get your attention. And you can feel it, right? It's like, oh, they're saying compliments, but it feels really like plasticky. Like you're waiting for, what are you going to sell me? Like, what are you buttering me up for? Right? What candles do you want me to buy? Right? What Tupperware? Right? You go, what's going on? You know, like when you're out at the, like you're at Spectrum or you're out somewhere and someone's like, hey, how's your day going? I like your outfit. You're going, I don't want to buy anything, bro. You know, I don't want to sign up for your thing. You know what I mean? Because you know, you can sense when that's not genuine. Real friends, real friends are genuine. They're authentic. There's no other side, right? There's a Southern expression that says, you know, blow sunshine up your skirt. You ever heard that? Maybe you heard a different variation of that. Uh, Blow sunshine up your skirt. So that's what people, and what, what it's talking about is, man, just, just buttering people up, buttering people up. I'm always leery of someone that comes to the church or meets for the first time and is just like laying all these compliments. It's like, ah, you don't know me well enough, and maybe you mean really well, and that's just kind of your defense mechanism. But a lot of times, I'm wondering, and maybe I'm a skeptic, but I'm wondering, what are you saying behind my back? Like, well, are you just telling me what I want to hear, and then you're going to tell someone else what they want to hear? Right? If it's real, it's great, but a lot of times it just doesn't feel real. Third point, last point is this. Godly friends make you better. Godly friends make you better. Okay, all of us, all of us have blind spots. All of us. And if you think you don't have one, you have more blind spots than all of us. Okay? All of us have blind spots. All of us have issues. We all have issues. We all have leanings, tendencies, propensities, weaknesses that will lead us down a path if we're not careful that will dishonor God, right? All of us have leanings, propensities, weaknesses, call them whatever you want, patterns that can limit how much God can use you. All of us have leanings and weaknesses and propensities that can bring shame to the name of God if we don't keep them in check. And so we need faithful voices in our lives that speak truth to us in love. Proverbs 27, 6 says this, you can trust a friend who corrects you. You can trust a friend who corrects you, but kisses from an enemy are nothing but lies. Going back to what we were talking about before, we're just blowing sunshine up your skirt, right? You can trust a friend who corrects you. Your close friends should have the same true north as you, what the Bible calls equally yoked, right? 
Your true friends, your closest friends, should have the same true north as you to honor God, to obey God, to be faithful to God, to live a life that brings glory to him and makes a difference on this earth. I'm not saying all your friends should be Christians. So you should have Christ- your friends that are all different types, but your closest friends should have the same true north as you. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says bad company. It, says, it actually says don't let anyone fool you. Modern translation would say don't be an idiot. Don't let anyone fool you. Bad companions make a good person bad. Another translation says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Right? My old youth pastor used to say, you become like those you hang out with. She used to say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Right? And every parent knows this, right? You drop your little ones at school for the first day of pre-K or kindergarten. Your high school kid goes off and hangs with friends at a party on Friday night. You send your college kid off, you're praying the same prayers, aren't you? God, help them make good friends. Why do you pray that? Because you know. You know the power of relationships, right? And the reality is, it's the same for us. We don't outgrow that. It's true for the kids, true for the high schoolers, true for the college kids. It's it's true for us to show me your friends. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future, right? Show me the values of your friends, and I'll show you your values. Show me their work ethic. Show me what what they value more than anything else, what difference they want to make in the world or not. Show me the level of their passion or level of their apathy, and I'll show you your level, right? So your true friends have the same true north as you, to honor God and be faithful to him. And if it's true, if it's true, Go with me here. If it's true that your friends have the same true north as you, and if it's true that you have weaknesses, you have blind sides, then a true friend, a true friend will correct you. And you know what? You can trust it. That's what the Bible says. You can trust it. Not because they want to hurt you. It's because the opposite. It's because they love you. And they're taking an emotional risk. They're they're, They're cashing in some relational collateral right? Some of their relational chips, because there may be pushback. A lot of times there is. But they're going, man, I love you. But man, you're too good to let this thing bring you down. You're too good to let this thing get in the way. One of our kids, I'm not going to say which one because I don't want to embarrass them, but one of our kids used to love eating dog food, okay? And her chubby little toddler self would walk over the dog bowl, and she would just start eating no, grain-free, bougie dog food. So it's probably fine for her to eat. Still, the principle. I don't want, her, my, I don't want my, my daughter having dog food breath. That's weird. So she's eating dog food. We didn't live in a big place. It was really small. So we could, like, see everything going on. We're like, hey, stop it. And if she saw us, she'd start, <laughs> right? So we go up there and go, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Right? And we, like, digging in her mouth. She's like, ah, right? Just slapping it out of her hands. Stop it. We have people food for you, like normal food. What's wrong with you, right? And inevitably, we'd like, maybe like, you know, scare her or we'd like, like nick her lip or something so like she, she's her, she's emotionally wounded, right? She'd cry. Why? Why do we do that? Because we want to take her joy away? Because we're, we're like, dog food's awesome. It's for me. It's not your dog food. It's my dog food. 
Why? Because we hated her? Because we wanted something from her? No, why did we do that? Why did we correct her? Even hurt her sometimes, emotionally, sometimes physically, if we're slapping the dog food out too aggressively. Why? Because we loved her, right? Because we wanted the best for her. It's the same with this. You may, may have heard that, this, that verse we just read. Other translations say this, wounds of a friend are faithful. Wounds of a friend are faithful. Wounds. Wounds. This isn't a little tap. Wounds say, hey, this broke skin. This hurt. This makes everything inside you wants to recoil. Everything inside you wants to defend. Everything wants to say, get out of here. Fight or flight kicks in. Adrenaline kicks in. Defense mechanisms kick in because it's human. It's a wound, right? Everything in, inside of us wants to go, forget you, man. What are you talking about? None of us want to feel corrected. Why? Because we have this great argument? No, because we feel embarrassed. We feel stupid. We feel exposed. We wonder if they're going to leave us. We wonder if they're, they, they see this side that we know is there, but if they see it too, maybe they're going to think less of us. We don't want that. We don't want to be abandoned. We don't want them to leave. But you can trust it. How do you respond? When someone that loves you, that has the same values as you, corrects you, how do you respond? The Bible says you can trust it. The Bible actually says, when it says wounds of a friend are faithful, what they're saying is this is actually a picture of what a faithful friend is. If your, what you call close friends, never correct you, it's not what a Bible, Bible calls a faithful friend. Be careful, then it goes on, be careful of someone that only blows kisses. A true friend says, man, I love you. Can't stay. Can't stay like that. So as we close, godly friends are loyal. Godly friends are genuine. Godly friends make you better. So here's the question. Are you a good friend? Godly friends are loyal. Godly friends are genuine. Godly friends make you better. Are you a good friend? And at the end of the day, isn't this what Jesus is like? Loyal, he sticks closer than a brother. Genuine, same yesterday, today, and forever. Makes you better. Man, Jesus loves you as you are. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But he loves you too much for you to stay that, that way. And then First Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, Peter writes this in, when in his epistle. He says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you, what? An example. Leaving you an example. That you should, what? Follow in his steps. See, being a Christian is not about saying a prayer once. Being a Christian is making a decision every day to do life with him. Being a Christian is saying, I want to invite you, Jesus, into my life, into the junk and the good and the dreams and the mistakes of today. I invite you in today. You said a prayer 10 years ago? Awesome. Did you invite Jesus into your life today? Following Jesus is not about saying a prayer. Following Jesus is saying, God, would you help me to live like you would live if you lived in my shoes today? Right? And this is the kind of friend Jesus is to us, to you. So, are you a good friend? And I'm going to end with the same question we started with. Are you the type of friend? Are you the type of friend the friend you're looking for is looking for?
If not, worry about yourself. Let's go down that road. And when you work on yourself, my guess is you're going to find someone that believes that same thing. You'll find each other. I believe that with all of my heart. But first, let's focus on us. All right, let me pray for us. God, I just pray. Would you help us to be good friends to one another? Uh, but God, for every single person in this room, God, I pray that you would help us to find good, close, Jesus-centered friends. Ones that we can lock our hearts, our lives to. Ones where we can support one another, see each other fully, forgive one another, reconcile, move forward and make a difference on this planet together. God, I pray for everyone who's looking for that, who hasn't been able to find that. God, I pray, would you instill a fresh sense of hope that it is possible? People that have tried and just cannot seem to find a close friend, God, I pray, would you just, just shut the, the, the mouth of the enemy, putting lies into their hearts of here's why. If they were just, then they would be able to find, God, God, we shut all that down. No shame, no guilt, no condemnation. God, I pray that you'd help us to be good friends, that you'd help us to find good friends. Would it be a church knit together through those relationships? We love you, God. We give this to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a powerful message. And, um, you know, as I was, just, I was just thinking about that, and I think this message is going to look different for all of us. I think there were so many different things hit on today that I think a lot of us probably find ourselves in one or more of those places that he talked about. And I think responding to this message is going to look different for each of us as well. For some of us, we're like, we're good. We've been a good friend for we have good friends. It's all good. But for those, there's others of us who are like, you know what? Um, most of my friends are not the ones who are challenging me to go closer to God. So maybe you shift priority. It's like, not, not going to leave those people alone. They're still my friends. But maybe I need to find some people who are going to encourage me, who are going to push me closer to Jesus, who are going to make me stronger who are going to call me out when I need it. We're going to say, get your stuff together, man. Right? We might need some of those. And so maybe your response today is, you're going to sign up for a small group. You're not going to stay here and worship. You're going to get out there, right? You're going to go find a group. You're going to find a friend. Or, or maybe just today, before you leave, you're going to meet a friend. You're going to find a friend. Someone who will encourage you or invite someone to coffee. Right? For some of us, um, I think maybe some of us are going, I need to be the friend who's going to start telling my friends the truth, right? And then there's others of us who are going, Jesus said he sticks closer than a brother. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother, and I have not let him into my life. And I know that today, what Taco was saying, it's not about a prayer. It's, I haven't been inviting him into my life.